Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. He says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Say, who do I marry? You need to find somebody that loves God more than they love you. You need to find somebody that loves God more than they love their parents. You need to find somebody that loves God more than they love any future children. The first way to get some help in how to choose a spouse, or if you already have a spouse, how to make your marriage better, is to compel that spouse or compel yourself, if you're that spouse, to fall in love with God more than anyone else. First and foremost, we have got to get that right from the beginning. If you get that right, you can get a lot of other things wrong and still make it without killing each other before you get the glory. (laughs) That's important. Go to Ephesians 5. Love God first. Amen. Love God first. Ephesians 5, watch what it says in uh, verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. So when you get married, you don't move your wife, young young men, into the basement of your your mom's house. I mean, that might be a temporary fix, but you got to get out. You got to move on. You move on, get your own place, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. If God is first, your spouse is second. You're joined together, you become one. It's one flesh. You leave mother and father, it's one flesh. Typically, what happens in Christian marriages is, is Mommies and daddies have babies and they raise their kids. And if they're not careful, one or both spouses may put the kids before the marriage. And it can't work that way. Your spouse, besides the Lord, your spouse or your future spouse, needs to be the next most important relationship that you have. And you must work on that relationship. I don't know any grown man that has a job that doesn't put time and care and effort into working through problems at his job. Because if he don't, he loses his job. But your job, gentlemen, isn't a more important relationship than the relationship you you have with your wife. Put as much time into that relationship or more, more than you would into your career, into your kids. And I know kids take up a lot of time. But if you make no time for your spouse, it's nobody's fault but your own. It's not God's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's your fault. 
make time for each other. People make time for their friends. They make time for their hobbies. Look at verse 25 in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Not love your hobbies. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I know this is going to sound like a silly question, but did Jesus give 50% of his life for us? No. He gave 100%. In your marriage or in your future marriage, you have got to make the decision in your mind, men, you're going to love like Christ loved. You're in it for 100%. You're going to give her 100% of yourself. Unless you think Christ just gave 50% of himself to the church, which no Christian would agree with that. All Christians would say, well, that'd be blasphemy. That's some deep love, what you say? I would. First Corinthians 7. First Corinthians 7. Verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 3. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Very simply and adequately put this more or this afternoon. When you get married, you're putting your wife, gentlemen, before you. You're putting your husband, ladies, before you. And then it says, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontent. Incontinency. Now, if you continence is self-restraint, you put some restraint on your desires, and if a wife or may I even say a husband, when you when you defraud, when you wrongfully frustrate or wrongfully deprive uh, your husband or husband your wife of physical affection. God says that's wrong. That's wrong. You might have a time of fasting. You may have a time of prayer. You may have this time where you're separated from that. But you better be careful because Satan's going to come and tempt. And you're not going to have the restraint you thought you had. Hold hands. Hug, kiss. So that you don't defraud each other. That physical intimacy in a marriage relationship is important. And too many parents get so work, uh, so busy working all day, and it's you know raising the kids, running the kids, doing doing all this stuff that. They never stop to think to take some time for themselves. And God said, look, that's going to be a problem. 
you've got to make time for your spouse. Now, if you've agreed this is going to be a time of fasting, fine, fine. But you better decide to make time and continue to make time. Okay, now I can't, <laughs> you know, on the internet, what is a woman? You know, it's not really hard to figure out. But this world seems to have to redefine everything. The problem that I believe most women would agree with, that most women would say, yeah, preacher, I, I, I agree with that. Most women do have this thought. And here's the thought. They all feel inadequate. It, every Christian women, woman, I believe, would agree that, yes, there are times or there are areas in our lives where we just feel inadequate. Satan has somehow convinced good, godly, Christian women that somehow they're not adequate. I don't know why and how all this manifests itself, but they somehow have in their mind, I'm just inadequate and it's just inevitable. I'm going to disappoint my husband. They don't get that from the word of God, but they get that from Satan. And that thinking has to be dealt with. Um, we read this this morning. Didn't we read, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness? When you're weak, then you're strong. Why, why is all that? It's because of Christ. Go to Philippians 4, and we'll see if Philippians chapter 4. Verse 13, I, ladies, put yourself in there. I guess everybody, put yourself in there. Men, kids, everybody. I, your Christian, can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And the all things are listed in the previous verses. We're not going to get into that, but I just want to ask you this morning, this afternoon, is that just a coffee cup verse? I mean, really, you wake up in the morning and you got your little Philippians 4 coffee cup and you know the verse. And, you know, a lot of verses in the Bible that are popular, they're just coffee cup verses. Except they're more than that. So this idea that I'm just, I just feel inadequate, I, I can't fully explain it, I guess, because I'm not a woman. But I can tell you from the word of God that Christ is your strength. Christ is your sufficiency. Were you saved by grace? Are you saying his grace isn't sufficient? Please don't. Please don't. Go to 2 Corinthians 3. You know, because all the idle, I just think, and I, you just don't know what, what I dealt with or what I'm, I understand that there's probably some situations that are, and we talked about this in previous messages where, we're not talking about a healthy, we're talking, right now we're trying to talk about some healthy things. This isn't about 
a situation that's abusive, all right? We got to put that aside. That has to be dealt with differently. But look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. In other words, when is your adequacy ever come to yourself? And gentlemen, the same thing. I just don't feel adequate. When have we ever been required or supposed to rely on our own adequacy? As Christians, I thought it's all relying on Christ to supply the need, the grace needed, the sufficiency. All of Christ. Let's not forget that. Proverbs 14 1. Be our next stop. Proverbs 14. The Bible says in verse number one every wise woman buildeth her house. But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. This principle here can be applied to both men and women, both mom and dad. We see every wise woman buildeth her house. When raising your children as a mom, as a mom and a dad raising kids together the same way. If your child is never good enough, guess what is going to be fueled? Inadequacy. If a child can never fulfill mama's desires, then that child is set up to fail and to feel inadequate. Every time a child tries to fulfill mama's desires or to make dad happy, He's always met with, well, I failed again. If you continue to go down that road, what does the child grow up thinking? I'm just a failure. I'm just inadequate. I'm never really going to be anything more than mom's disappointment. I'm never going to be anything more than dad's failure. God help us parents. God help us future parents. That we don't do that. We, if you're married, you work on dealing with your own inadequacies. So you don't take that frustration and pour it out on kids that you're raising it's all christ it's his grace it's his sufficiency all of us are inadequate now i spoke i tried to represent women correctly now i know i can represent men correctly i'm a man i know what a man I feel inadequate every time I walk up here. I'm dealing with the word of God. I'm dealing with God's people. And 
if I don't rely on his grace and his strength and his word, it will be a mess. His grace is sufficient. You pray for me regarding that, and I'll pray for you as an unspoken. We all feel inadequate. His grace is sufficient. Go to Proverbs 22. <clears throat> Verse 6, another coffee cup verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, most parents plan on training their children. It's just they never get to the plan, okay? As Christian parents, you may plan to train your children because you know this verse. But if you never get to the plan, that is a problem. And many young people grow up, now they're adults, now they're going to get married. They don't know how to love God first. They don't know how to love their spouse first because they've never been trained. You must train them up or someone else will train them. Everyone seeks knowledge and information, they're going to find it somewhere. Your job is to train them up. And if you train them through example of all I do is disappoint dad and all I do is disappoint mom, that's going to be their reference point. That's going to be their default when they go into a marriage. We don't want that as their starting point. Train them up. Train them up in the way they should go. Go to Proverbs 23. Look at verse number 22. Proverbs 23, look at verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. By the truth and sell it not also wisdom and, and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad. And she that bear thee shall rejoice. If your child can never do it good enough or right enough, that is a life that they grow up with no rejoicing. If you give your child a job to do, I want you to wash the window. Here's the window cleaner. Here's the rag. Here's the windows. I'll be back in 20 minutes. If the first thing you open, if the first thing that comes to your mind is you missed a spot, that's what I'm talking about. If the first thing that comes to mind is you were supposed to put the 
um, paper towels after you were done washing them into the trash and you didn't, if, if that's the first thing that comes to your mind, parents, that's what I'm talking about. How about, I like the effort you put into that window. It's like when the sun comes through that, it brightens up the whole house. Thank you. Rejoice. Find something to rejoice in. Okay? Verse 25. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. If the kids are always going to come up short, there's nothing to be glad. And many times parents are over overworked by their own poor planning. They're overstressed. They're over frustrated. And they take it out on the weakest link. That needs to be replaced with some gladness and some joy, and it's the parent's responsibility to do that. First Peter 3. Now, if you, if you have a child you have a young girl grew up, all she does is feel inadequate. She's just mama's failure. She couldn't do nothing right. Now you have a young boy, and, and he was brought up the same way. All he did was disappoint dad. And now those two people are grown up. They're adults, and now they get married. How do you think that's going to go? They're expecting to disappoint each other. That's their reference point. <laughs> now you're going to have a wife. All she's going to do is blame him. Blame him, nag him, and drag him. She's going to drag him to church, going to drag him to the store, she's going to drag him to counseling. She's going, why? He's never good enough. He can't ever do anything right. First Peter chapter three. We'll get to the get to the man in a minute. First Peter chapter three. Likewise, your wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And if any obeyed not the word, he's not obeying the word in this verse. That means, I'll paraphrase for you. He is inadequate in the word. He don't know what he's doing. How do we handle that? That if any, uh, that if obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Ladies, young ladies who are growing up and you're going to be a wife and wives who are currently wives. Your husband doesn't come home from work to be preached at. Your husband comes to church to be preached at. He doesn't go home to be preached at. 
And if he's dragged to church and he doesn't want to obey the word, you preaching to him and at him is not going to work because God said the only way you're going to win him over is if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, that's pretty interesting. Verse two, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. A chaste conversation. This is her communication in all things. It's purity in every way that she communicates. From her words, from the way that she carries herself, from her behavior, all of that. That's the grand instrument that God has given the wife to be able to win over her husband. And it's like the secret is... stop talking I'm not trying to be rude I'm trying to bring out this truth where it's like God's trying to tell ladies I know that your husband is difficult and if he's not going to obey the word my preferred method for you to deal with him would be exactly opposite from the way you think you should deal with it. And I've learned some good lessons walking away from a conversation where my wife really didn't say much because it wasn't really a conversation. It was me conversing. I walk away and I think about stuff and I'm like, well, okay. Now, I don't know what it is. But I do know she could have added fire. She could have added fuel to the fire by throwing a few more sticks in the fire. That thing lights up. Ladies, you get a man, you get a husband that's not willing to obey God. The worst thing to do is start throwing sticks in the fire. Just light it up. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, we've said this before. There's nothing wrong with plating the hair, putting braids in your hair, ladies. There's nothing wrong with wearing jewelry, wearing gold. Why? Well, because the same verse says, or of putting on of apparel, nobody would say. We, we all agree that you should wear clothes. Okay? There's a bigger message here. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a what? Meek and quiet spirit. Don't read that M like dyslexia, you know, where it's upside down and it looks like a W. It's not weak. It's me. That is a strong woman who's under the control of a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Even Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well. They're not afraid with any amazing. Think of the old times. Think of the old times. 
it is not uncommon now to just open up your feed and you'll find an article about some, you know, lady out somewhere that took a two before and smashed her husband upside the head. You wouldn't hear that about the ladies of old time. They were respectful. They were holy women. They trusted the Lord. They were in subjection to their own husbands and they won them over through not preaching at them. Without the word. But you find all types of just craziness of some of the things that women are caught doing to their husbands. You wouldn't have had that in the old time. You, you just wouldn't have. So now you end up with a, with a husband. If he was brought up just as mama's inadequate little failure. Now he feels hopeless. He's upset. And things just get worse and worse. You want to know why? Because every single man myself included, and every man I know that's married, every single man wants to make his wife happy. He does. And when he can't, he's just going to give up. Because he expects to be a disappointment to her. And this pattern has to be stopped before it gets worse. God puts things in his holy word to help. So how does the man get help? Colossians 3. Keep your finger in 1 Peter. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse number 19. It says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Colossians 3 is so simple. Anybody know what love is? What did we look at earlier? When God loved, for God so loved the world that he gave just 50% of himself. No, he gave 100% of himself. Gentlemen, if you're going to get married and you're not married now, you get a hold of this verse early on in life. To love. That means 100% of yourself wholly given over to loving your wife. And if you do that, if you do that, you will not be bitter against them. Because you know why a lot of wives feel inadequate? Because of their husbands. The harsh words, the harsh thoughts, the harsh looks, the harsh attitude. And they're just beat up. Can you, gentlemen, can you love 
young men, young boys, if you're harsh to mama, if you're rude to mama, if you're rude to sister, you think all of a sudden that's going to change? You better get a hold of this verse. And whatever bitterness you got in your heart, get it out. Get some love in there. And be ready, be ready to give. You know what church life's about? A lot of it's about giving your time and an investment in other people. And it's great to see some of the young men fellowshipping, investing time into each other. And that, that's great seeing. You know, when someone walks away from a relationship, there's a void. Let that void sit, bitterness starts to take root. Can't let it happen. Bitterness destroys a lot of relationships. You've got to replace some bitterness with some love. Just be willing to give, expecting nothing in return. Go to Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5. Um, and get uh, get Acts nine too. See if we can Proverbs five and Acts nine. I know that's a strange place to go. You'll see why in a minute. Acts nine and Proverbs five. Proverbs chapter number five. Look at verse number eighteen. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. For to get some marriage help, here's the help. Rejoice with each other. Put the disagreement aside. Put the stress aside. Put the kids aside. Put all of it aside. And just rejoice with each other. Verse number 19. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Be thou ravished always with her love. Now, go to Acts 9, because here's, here's the verse I want you to look at in conjunction with verse number 19 of Proverbs 5. You've got in Proverbs 5, you have got a pleasant row, a, deer, a female deer. In Acts chapter number nine, in verse number 36, the Bible says, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. That's her Jewish name. That name means gracious or gazelle. But then it says, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Dorcas was the Greek name. You've got her Jewish name and her Greek name mentioned in this verse. You know what Dorcas means? 
a female roe, a deer. If you run the meaning of those words, that's what it means. So you've got someone who is gracious. You, you, you have her Greek name Dorcas, a female roe, which would be a deer. It's, a, it's like it's saying, a disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is gracious. She's like a female deer. She's gracious. You know, female deers are, are known for their grace. They are known for their bright, shining eyes. They are known for their strength and their beauty. It's like God's trying to get us a hold, a hold of something here in Proverbs 5. As we look at the meaning of this word here, most guys just want to shoot a deer. But they don't, they're not looking at it in the same way that God says, hey, here's how I kind of want you to look at it. Instead of putting the camo on and getting some ammo and going out in the woods and shooting the deer, why don't you just step back and observe her, observe her graciousness? Rejoice in her grace, her strength and her beauty, the brightness of her eyes. Proverbs 5. Oh, well, go to Proverbs 5, but um, go to Song of Solomon, too. We'll pass two more books forward to come to Song of Solomon. Look at verse uh, chapter 8. Last verse in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 14. Make haste, my beloved, and be thou like to a roe or to a young heart upon the mountains of spices. The other thing that's noticeable about a female deer is the affection that she would have to her young. And God's trying to get us to see this by way of word picture and by way of using his creation. Proverbs 5, look at verse number 19. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. An infant is satisfied when he is done or she is done nursing with mama. There's a great satisfaction that comes from that baby. So should husbands with the wife of his youth. It's that man being so satisfied with his wife. And that's what we're talking about. You see that baby's done nursing, you know, and stops nursing and just holds his head back, looks up at mama, and it's just a smile, you know. It's just full satisfaction. Gentlemen, when God sends you a woman, a gentleman, if you're married and have, a, and, and have a wife, be satisfied with her. And that'll stop her feelings of inadequacy. But back to First Peter.
it isn't more easier said than done if if people would just believe God's word and know that his grace is sufficient. First Peter three, look at verse seven. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life, your prayer, uh, grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Dwell with them according to knowledge. It's not like the wife doesn't have as much knowledge as the husband. In many areas, she probably has more. knowledge this is the last thought i'd like to unpack for this afternoon you know in romans 1 it said they did not like to retain god in their knowledge in romans 3 it says for by the law is the knowledge of sin in first corinthians 8 it says knowledge puffeth up but charity edifieth in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You know what the problem is in a lot of marriages? Is that they are not striving according to knowledge. To get what, what type of knowledge? The gospel. The gospel isn't a central focus. And if you want to deal with your wife according to knowledge, the gospel of Christ better be in there somewhere. Go to uh, Romans 10. Romans chapter number 10. Verse 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to what? Knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You have two people that have zeal about God. They're spiritual. They're conservative. There are all these words that I think should be thrown out and it should be. I just won't be biblical. I want to do what the Bible says. And you end up with two people going about to establish their own righteousness. And be the victor in the fight. How do you think that's going to work out? Young people, how many of you always have to win the fight? That's a problem. It's going to manifest itself. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A few more will close out. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Verse number 6. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is that light of the knowledge of the glory of God? Let me ask you, married couples or folks that are going to be married, is that in your marriage? Is that knowledge there? 2 Corinthians 10. Look at verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. You start building up things in your marriage that shouldn't be there. Go to cast that stuff down. Deal with her according to knowledge. Knowledge. You got something in your marriage that is exalted higher than the knowledge of God? Shame on. Ephesians 1. Verse number 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Husbands, future husbands, if you are not preparing to teach your wife the things of God, the knowledge of him, you are not dealing with her according to knowledge. Ephesians 3. Verse number 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do we really read in Colossians that you need to love your wife and be not bitter against her? Okay. Do you know the love of Christ? Is that built in to your marriage? It better be. God wants you to deal with her according to the knowledge Philippians 3 verse number 8 yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but tongue that I may win Christ is knowing Christ more excellent for you and everything else is just counted as done if you're married, is that is that is Philippians 3 8 is that built into your marriage? Young person, you're planning on getting married. I hope your spouse is ready to have that built into marriage. Last three, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. Colossians 1 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Are you helping her to grow in the knowledge of God? 1 Timothy 2, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. The gospel of Christ. It needs to be central to your marriage. The knowledge of the truth. Are you striving together with your spouse for the sake of the gospel? Last one, 2 Peter 3, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. If you are not growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, God says, you better get that thing into your marriage. Young people, pray about these things now. Get a hold of these verses now. So you're looking for someone who wants to have that built. You do it God's way, you save yourself a lot of problems. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.